Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome, everyone, to the Movie Machine Podcast, presented by Hot Chocolate Media. I am your moderator today, Kyle Decker. I'm joined by three titans of the Hollywood film industry. I'm so excited to have them here with us. We have Ben Lifson, our writer, who's Michael Rooker's whistle coach on the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. We get uh, Jacob Gulliver, our director, who is Doug Jones's yoga instructor. And uh, Aaron Coker, our producer, who's the trench digger in Wonder Woman movie. Just making those authentic-looking World War I sets with a shovel, like they do. So, I've asked the movie machine to come up with a random prompt for me. Ben, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) The theme of this story is a wacky relationship. The main characters are a plucky archivist and a nostalgic outlaw. The start of the story is deception. The end of the story is party. It's written like that. I don't. I didn't do that inflection on purpose. It's just. It's written just like right. that. Right. So we're gonna start with. See, we have a historian who's in Britain, kind of looking at. You know, kind of like whatever. We'll call him or her gender neutral. Professor Willington. That's a British name. And you know, they're looking at some of the things about you know, around when the Crusades were, and in this story, Robin Hood was real, okay? So, as they're looking through some of the tombs of, you know, the historian, merry men kind of thing, uh, it turns out that they find Robin Hood, who is frozen, okay? And the archivist historian, you know, while inspecting it, accidentally, whoops, I unfroze you. Let's say he got, like, frozen in, like, I don't know, mead or uh, honey. It's whatever, you know, we're having fun here. And so we have a little bit of, like, Robin Hood in the modern day. And he's like, what is going on? And, like, what, what is this weapon that can harm people without needing to pull back a bow or whatever? And, you know, it's kind of wacky. And he's like, and he sees some of the movie that's about him. And it's just, you know, them, him living in the big city of London years later, seeing how they've messed up his myth. Um, it turns out that, yeah, Robin Hood was actually, yeah, he was just like, just stole a bunch of shit and like didn't give it to anybody and he just like but he had a really good press guy in the past so that's also a lot of thing where he doesn't want to disappoint the historian because the historian's just like i looked up to you as a kid and their relationship's just sort of awkward you know just a real british humor kind of thing you know them in pubs together talking about whatever and you know they decide to just have a big party at the end where, where they're calling it robin hood's getting together the merry men act two and it'll turn out that there was actually a descendant of Prince George was his name? I, f- I forget his name. Prince John? Prince John, yeah. It's the same name, whatever. Which I guess is in the British, whatever. Nobody in the British royalty is like, I hate that Robin Hood. I'm going to get you back. Or it turns out it's actually uh, the sheriff of Nottingham's great, great, great descendant who's had this grudge for hundreds of years. And, you know, he's kind of the guy that's like, I don't want you to party anymore, Robin Hood. You you stole my family's shit and ruined our good name with your wacky tales. And so, yeah, that's just, that's where I'm going with this. Is there a title for this film? 
Robin Hood back in action. Okay, so Jacob... No one remembers that Looney Tunes movie anymore, yeah. right? Okay, good. <laughs> you, you, you have a script that's delivered to you. It's it's on a scroll with an arrow through it. It's delivered via arrow. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it also has like some PBR-like stains on it as well. Namaste. So I think I'm going to take this, and I, I love where you're going. It's got some rough edges. I want to do this completely animated. That's what I'm thinking. We want to market this more towards, like, kids. It's obviously not, you know, close to reality. So I think I'm going to, you know, kind of market it that way and use it as a tool to kind of, like, educate kids about the myths and, like, how legends can kind of, like, change over time and, you know, how that, you know, history is actually formed through, you know, various different, you know, passed down stories and things like that. So I'm, I'm all about this, you know, this goofy plot that's that's fine. I don't, I don't see that as a, a, a problem in this because we're using that as the tool to get us there. I am planning on casting some really great veterans of British comedy. We're going to have David Mitchell play our archivist, and we're going to have Alexander Armstrong play our Robin Hood, and then we're going to have Rowan Atkinson be the descendant of the Sheriff of of Nottingham. I think that will be really, really funny. I think that we should have a kid who's, like, hanging around the museum where, like, David Mitchell works, you know, can kind of, like, be the voice of the the kid in the audience, and I think we should have a a female voice for that. But I still want it to be kind of cartoony, so I think think we're going to use Rebel Wilson for that kid, and she can kind of, like, play with it and, you know, be a little fun and get get a little bit towards the, you know, kind of improv space, some of her her lines. So that's kind of my my overall vision. I want to do, like... It's going to be 3D. We don't want it to be, like, realistic 3D. We want it to be cartoony 3D or, like, the heads are, like, on a bigger scale than the rest of the body. And we can have, like, some cool, fun, like, you know, pratfall comedy or, you know, adventure stuff. And we can have some, you know, cool flashbacks to Robin in action and then compare it to, to real life as well. So I think that will work. Title, I'm definitely, definitely changing. I'm thinking just something simple, Robin Hood Returns. And it could say, you know, whatever we need to with, with that. I think that's enough. And if we show Robin Hood on the cover of the DVD, then I think people will be like, oh, it's a Robin Hood thing. Cool, let's do it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. Let's do it. All right, Aaron, our producer. I, I just want to express astonishment that Robin Hood Returns has not been used before. That is amazing. You have the uh, treatment and first batch of storyboards for Robin Hood Returns. It's an animated feature starring Rebel Wilson and a bunch of British dudes I've already forgotten. So what's your budget for this and how do you make this thing profitable? You know, budgets are tough. It's tough to get money for films, uh, especially with this company. You know, the um, David Duke biopic musical didn't go well. And so we are looking to recoup a lot of costs, and we've reached out to a lot of people, a lot of corporations looking for pretty much anything we can get. And when you reach out to a corporation, you have to make concessions. You really have to uh, decide to, I don't want to use the word compromise, but let's say alter like a tailor your creative aspirations. So I've lined us up a great endorsement deal with Costco. You guys know Costco, you've been to Costco, you need 100 pounds of vegetable soup or maybe a sled or something like that, you know, maybe an iPhone. That's or 100 sleds, or 100 iPhones. If you get them in bulk, exactly. Uh, so Costco is really excited about this. I've already run this past them, they really like the idea. A couple changes that they're gonna request for this one. First thing I have to say is, 3D animation is gonna cost at least as much as shooting it with regular animation or even with live action people. 
I don't know if Costco is going to want to foot the bill for this. They want to set it in a Costco. Because if you're going to set the movie in some place where you need party supplies for a party, which makes up the second act of this film, it's at Costco. So I'm thinking our Robin Hood character's there. He is uh, tussling with some thieves or maybe some people who got in without showing their membership card. And he's able to subdue them using items from the Costco. Things we can work out with the Costco people later. It's not really important right now. If he's going to be frozen in mead, which is a liquor made from honey, I'm thinking, could it be Fago? That's my question. What if there was a lot of Fago? that was uh, mined or however they make Figo, wherever they get it from. And it's transported, you know, frozen, of course, on a frozen truck to the Costco. They open up the doors. It melts after a while. Robin Hood steps out. As far as who Robin Hood is going to be, I think I already forgot who the British person was that you wanted. Alexander Armstrong. Alexander Armstrong. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I was thinking maybe a little more, you know, let's go to the heartland. Let's go to, like, middle America, you know, American hero. What about Neil Armstrong? He's up there, but he's still strong. He's also, he's been frozen for so long, so he's aging. So when Robin Hood steps out and he's a pruny old man, we're surprised by the fact that he can pick up the bow from the sporting goods department at Costco, and he can still shoot arrows like he always used to be able to. He was frozen and was aging? He's aging while he's frozen. Okay. You've seen the Mel Gibson movie, uh, Always, correct? He ages after he unthaws out. It's science. (laughs) It's science, and it's all thanks to my man. Oh, and speaking of the animation aspect, if we combine animation with live action, like my good friend Bobby Z on uh, Roger Rabbit, amongst other things, uh, that could keep the costs down. So some of these characters can be animated. The Rebel Wilson character, I like that. 3D animation, good. The rest, let's do live action. The Professor character. The Professor character, got an idea. Friend of mine, Joey Pants, Joey Pantoliano, he's looking to break in with a more media role, a more intellectual role that's off the beaten path for him. So looking at him for the professor, I'm yeah. going to say... Budget? $10 million. $10 million. All right. Costco bucks. So Robin Hood Returns, writer. It's a bottle episode, if you will. The whole thing's got to take place in a Costco. A bottle of Fago. Yeah, Fago is a plot line. You've got an astronaut who's like 94 years old as your lead. I don't think, I think that's a real number. I'll have to look it up. I think he's pushing 100. How are you feeling? You feeling good? This, your story's coming uh, alive, man. So, what was the, uh, I also forgot the actor that you wanted, Jacob. For Robin Hood? Yeah. Alexander Armstrong. Okay, so I'm going to contact Alexander Armstrong and send, and ask him if he wants to change his name to Neil. And hopefully we can do a switcheroo that the producer won't notice. In the mean, so we'll shoot everything else while we're concocting this scheme on the side. In the meantime, yeah, I can rework a lot of the scenes in the Costco. Uh, did they say what percentage of the scenes? Uh, is this 100%? Is this like 90%? 73%. They were very specific on okay. that. Okay. So I'm going to use that as an opportunity. I'm going to make sure that the Robin Hood time scenes aren't in the Costco. I think that that would be a little harder to explain. So he'll be in Robin Hood times, and he gets transported to Costco. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna play with this a little bit as a joke, where Robin Hood tries to leave the Costco after he's unfrozen, and you know, it, it's like that movie where that guy was stuck at the terminal the whole film. I the terminal. Yeah, that that movie, where so there will be the Nottingham descendant, uh, just to show how far his lineage has fallen. Now runs is the manager of this Costco, and just so happens that. Robin's descendant who just destroyed my line. 
I'm going to make sure he can never leave this Costco again. And so he's just throwing in all these obstacles like, well, you can't leave yet because you... uh," Or he's like, well, technically you're Costco property, Robin Hood, so you can't leave because you were shipped in with all this figo. So unless someone buys you, you can't leave. And so Robin Hood has to deal with all... But, you know, everyone comes to the Costco to see Robin Hood. It's like, guys, it's Robin Hood. He's come back and he's stuck at a Costco. This is amazing. And, you know, um, they're working in it. You know, have a lot of scenes of Robin Hood. You know, his sort of fish out of water experience. Says we can have the actor improvise a bit where he looks at something and it's, you know, a modern day thing and thinks it's like an old timey thing. And then he mistakes it for the thing. You know, that's basically fish out of water comedy, what I just described there. Just fill in the blanks. Yeah, contrive him to be in stay at Costco, and that'll be the big emotional payoff when he can leave the Costco. And, you know, to throw in some product placement, Robin Hood will say, like, they always said that I robbed from the rich and gave to the poor, but I think Costco has managed that without me. Taking these expensive products and giving them in bulk to so many poor people. <laughs> it's truly a blessing. All right, so uh, Costco the movie or whatever the fuck you're calling this piece of shit right now. It's, oh, it's until Robin Hood Returns. Uh, is in front of you. It's half live action, half animated, and 73% of it takes place in the Costco. I'll let you decide oh, the and Fago's involved in the plot. You know, I I didn't understand the the brilliance of what, what Aaron gave me as my feedback notes the first time around, but the second time I read through it, it, it became clear to me what we're making is uh, an absurdist comedy in the vein of, like, Napoleon Dynamite or FDR American Badass. We're, we're going to treat this Robin Hood myth with, you know, kind of loose, hanging, kind of like, oh, yeah, that's definitely what happened. But we're also going to throw in modern verbiage and we're going to, you know, play fast and loose with casting and, and the, the whole, like, Costco product placement stuff is product placement, but it also comes off as kind of, like, absurdistly funny. So that's we're gonna play up that angle, and I'm gonna change things up a little bit. So our, our archivist character, we originally had David Mitchell, uh, is now a stock boy for Costco. Why why you didn't approach Tesco for this, the British version, I'm not sure, but let's American this bastard. So our stock boy character, you know, accidentally unfreeze him. We're gonna get Logan Lerman to play our stock boy. Our a Robin Hood, if we're going like the American route and we want like the quintessentially American cool badass dude who still plays like a little bit older, Nick Offerman. Our Robin Hood is gonna be Nick Offerman. He's gonna be hilarious. He'll like jive on this this concept so, so hard and will 100% sell these kind of like goofy product placement filled lines that we pass him. He's gonna just go wild with a script like this. Our Sheriff of Nottingham is still gonna be Rowan Atkinson because he can be like a goofy British guy and like he will ham up and like do pratfalls all the like amazing stuff that he's done and still have this very like biting British wit. He's gonna be amazing. I'm I'm so 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 on board to see this. Animated stuff I think we're gonna cut back on. We really don't have that much money from what you've given us, so the animated stuff's pretty much gonna have to go. If we had more money then like I could maybe see putting some more animation in, but I'm gonna pass on that for the moment and just get Rebel Wilson to like come in and dress in clothes that like, as if she were, like, a 16-year-old girl or something like that. And she's just, like, along for this ride. like, Or maybe, like, she's trying to, like, hit on Logan Lerman or something like that. And we can make it, like, an awkward, like, teen comedy jokes and stuff with that, too. So that could be that'd be kind of fun. I think that would be a, 
a good goofy piece and we can, you know, interweave this plot about Robin Hood's various different mythos and history together and do it in this sort of funny, absurdist way. All right. So, producer, your uh, your production team has taken your notes and everything and created this absurdist comedy that takes place in a Costco and has Nick Offerman basically doing advertisements for Costco and free samples and all that. You got the Percy Jackson kid, Rebel Wilson, and David Mitchell doing nope. like... Right? And Rowan Atkinson. And Ro- oh, yeah. And Mr. Bean. All in one movie. Have fun. How you feeling? You feeling good? This this a profitable cow you got here? First of all, I got no idea who Logan Lerman is. Uh, I don't know where you get He's your headshots. He's the Percy Jackson kid. Oh, Percy Jackson! What a success! <laughs> I don't know where you get your headshots from Match.com. We gotta get somebody who uh, you know the kids are gonna like. I like the Rebel Wilson thing. Who's the guy that works with her uh, all the time? Uh, the bald guy, and he's uh, he's a Doctor Who guy. Uh, Matt Lucas. You know, he's even got the last name Lucas. Maybe we can trick people into watching this. I got good news and bad news. Bad news is Costco's out. The good news is Aldi's in. So, I propose it's set at an Aldi. Everything's the same. You can even keep the Fago, but it's Aldi this time now instead of Costco. And of course, the budget's five million instead of ten. And otherwise, it's the exact same film. Now, I hear your concerns about animation, how expensive it is. Consider claymation. It's time for claymation to make a comeback. It's got a artisanal feel compared to those uh, 3D animated Pixar movies. So maybe the flashback sequences, because we can't afford to shoot on location, are set with claymation. And that way you have a claymation Robin Hood. He's a little funny in the head. He's been unfrozen, so he's remembering things a little wrong necessarily. And the clay could be Play-Doh, and it could come from the toy section of Aldi, which I'll have to double check and see if there is one of those. But I think it's a good idea so far. Kind of. And here is your title. Uh, I got a little suggestion myself. What about Robin Hood Return with Receipt? Discuss, gentlemen. (laughs) You guys like that title? <laughs> Your producer's giving you a chance to finalize the title before you set it to print. I'm going to keep it the way it is. I'm going to keep it Robin Hood Returns. Returns. Yeah. All right. So just, I, I want to clarify, before I feed this into the movie machine, I want to make sure we get our uh, parameters correctly. So the whole movie isn't claymation. It's all live action and all the, and the flashbacks to the time of Robin Hood are in claymation, correct? That's, I think, the safest way to go. Okay. So... Now that I know this, I'm going to put this in to the movie machine, which sounds like an arrow hitting a target. So, surprisingly, this movie is a kind of a little indie hit for its, you know, absurdity. Luckily, you have a lot of funny people in here. None of them are good-looking people, but no one cares about that. You had that with the Percy Jackson kid, but you made sure to put all average-looking normal. And guess what? Normal people relate to that. What? It's a movie full of people that look like us? And Nick Offerman and his glorious mustache. And, and Nick Offerman just steals this movie. Like, it's it's the Nick Offerman movie basically doing these... It, he, it's kind of like... One, one reviewer says it's like, it's like he's channeling Ash from the Evil Dead movies while also doing Ron Swanson at the same time. And people just eat that crap up. Right. People just enjoy the hell out of it. Rowan Atkinson does his, you know, padding and slapstick and everything. But here's like so, and the movie the movie has a good run. It's in theaters for six weeks. It makes about ninety million bucks, which you know is like over your ten million dollar budget is quite good. It's a little sleeper hit. You guys, you guys release it in April when nothing else is really going on. It's a nice little sleeper hit of the year. One unexpected cultural impact because of the Fago thing. 
Uh, your largest following is of Juggalos. But but here's the thing. Like, you guys have helped contribute. Like, Juggalos realize what? There's myths about Robin Hood, and they start reading books. And, like, they're like, man, we like the pratfalls of that Rowan Atkinson guy. And they find Mr. Bean and Blackadder. Some of them watch Parks and Recreation because of Nick Offerman. Like, they're exposed to culture that doesn't suck. <laughs> because, like, they went to this movie. They're like, man, there's a Fago movie. You want to go to the Fago movie? I think it's about the Great Fago War of 1876. That's a real thing Juggalos believe in. <laughs> or at least talk about. Look it up. It's fucking crazy. Well, I'll just um, yeah. But, yeah... Juggalos who love this movie start calling themselves hoodalos because that's what they do. They just merge something with it and everything. And large numbers of Juggalos start becoming almost culturally relevant, almost educated, and almost passable for civilized society. So you made a lot of money. You made Juggalos suck less. Good for you guys. And so, we've lost our Juggalo podcast listeners. Yeah, all. <laughs> You know, they need to know how the batteries work to be able to listen to a podcast. <laughs> so you have two minutes. How are you feeling about this, writer? I'm probably not going to change that much. I mean, a lot of it was really, you know, how from the actor's performance, like, I think, like, 15% of the lines I actually wrote ended up in the movie. You know, just other takes on it. And, you know, it's fun. That's really kind of, I think, indie success status is the best we could have gotten with this premise. So, yeah, I probably wouldn't change that much. I, I like the claymation idea. I love having, you know, switching to a different style. I'm amazed how cheaply we could get that because I was under the impression stop motion animation was actually more expensive than computer animation, but you, you, we got some college, we tricked some college kids into doing it for free for us and by God, they worked hard on it. So they just I, died of exposure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy with that. I'm not going to change anything. All right, I'm going to change a few things. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I didn't realize how much of an untapped market there were for the Juggalos. I'm not going to cater, like, too hard, but I think Matt Lucas just not working for me. You know, I want to hear that comment about not having enough attractive people in the movie. So we're going to swap out Matt Lucas for Aubrey Plaza, and she's going to just, like, flat monotone all of her lines in the movie. And when she's not talking, she's going to be drinking a bottle of Fago. Like, literally every shot of her where she is not talking, she is consuming Fago. So it'll just be like this, this like super huge, like, in-joke with her. It'll be great. And then, you know, it'll uh, help sell, I think. All right. Producer, you made a crap ton of money. Your production studio is back on the map. You're in the pantheon of Juggalo fame. Yeah, we, okay? we did all right. I mean, a lot of times the profit from this just goes right back into other projects. It's kind of what we're facing here. You know, we're trying to set up a big deal with Ace Hardware for our next feature, so we'll see how that goes. But And I owe a lot of money to Joey Pants. Stupid, stupid. I gave him a pay-or-play contract for this thing. Of course, it didn't work out. But, yeah, I think we uh, did a good job. You know, you get an indie hit. You can feel pretty good about it. You influence things. I've heard that Robert Zemeckis is now looking to do uh, get into Claymation. He wants to do a remake of uh, Death of a Salesman, all in clay, uh, called Willie Loam Man. So that's uh, that's working out there. The only thing that I would change, you know, if we release a director's cut, is I'd like to go back in and put magnets in every scene because those little juggalos just love those goddamn things. Your changes don't change a whole lot, but there there are a couple more cultural impacts. Aubrey Plaza has now been elected as queen god of all juggalos, and she goes into protective hiding 
because of that, and she's oh, never seen it. Poor again. Aubrey. She's like physically okay, but she completely has erased her pers- public persona because juggalos are scary as fuck. That being said, the two college students who did all the claymation for you, ICP decided they want to get in, in, into the movie business, and they wrote an entire claymation Linsane Clown Posse feature film, which is it's literally the worst film ever made, and it's all in claymation, and exists because of you guys. So, bravo. That's your legacy. You're forever remembered as the Juggalo film enablers. Because of Juggalos, that film's successful, and the same clown posse become media magnates, and in 50 uh, years... Yeah. <laughs> magnates, how do they work? In, in, in 50 years, all media is Juggalo-based. Well, I for one welcome our Juggalo. All, all, <laughs> all music, literature, film, and everything is taken over by the power of Juggalos. Whoop, whoop. So time so, travelers in the future, if you want to find the moment to change, <laughs> now would be a great time to burst uh, in. So as always, we uh, end the episode with the words of our patron saint, Guy Fieri. You're making a pound cake to make the crust for a cheesecake? I do it every day. Oh no, time traveling assassins!